Welcome into another special edition of Boys Don't Lie, the podcast. I am Owen Burke, here to bring you another installment of my top 10 series today. We're covering the tight ends. Before we get into that, again, as we always do, as I always do, I um, want to thank you guys for listening. Whether you're here because you listen to something else or this is your first time here, whatever it is, thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys. Um, make sure you guys turn our notifications on. Um, follow us all on Twitter. Um, if you can get to Ashe's or mine or Sam's Twitter, um, the link tree in our bio has everybody's Twitters in there, so you can follow them. Um, we all tweet the show out pretty well. Um, so whenever something drops, we're usually there. We'll post updates. You know, we have a schedule coming up since we have so much stuff coming out here in this next week, week and a half, depending on when you listen to this, we have like five or six bonuses that are lined up and ready to go. So all that stuff's coming out. So make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. Um, try to keep up to date and whatever you listen to the podcast on, turn the notifications on there. Cause sometimes we're not great about tweeting things. Uh, we are human Things do happen, and when I say we, I mean me. I suck at tweeting the show out sometimes. So, that being said, thank you guys for listening. We're going to hop right into it today. Before we actually, I lied. I do that all the time. I know I'm a pathological liar when it comes to <coughs> what we're talking about next. Before we get into the tight ends, have some news coming out this last week. Uh, obviously, depending on when you listen to this, when, when the news came out. Aaron Rodgers returns to Lambeau Field, does a press conference. Uh, he's restructuring his deal. He's going to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers for the 2021-2022 NFL season. Um, I watched the whole presser, his whole presser. I didn't watch everybody's. Uh, he, he was at the podium for, I think, like 36 minutes. I watched the whole thing on Twitter because I, you know, somebody called me and was like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? You know, what he's saying and, you know, basically because he, I mean, he did go in on the Packers front office a little bit. He didn't really mince his words, but so that's what people are really caught up about is like, oh man, he said that, you know, he said that they after this up and they let that guy go without talking to him and da 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 whatever, which is all true. I mean, everything he said was true. My main takeaway from what Aaron Rodgers had said in that press conference. If you haven't watched it, make sure you go watch it, or at least watch some highlights of it here and there so you have an idea what he was talking about. I didn't see I, I really didn't see anything wrong with it. I think a lot of people were expecting me to try to come after him or anything, but when it comes to what he said, I he he kept a level head. He never got upset. I don't think he ever snapped back at any reporters, um, which is easy to do, and he does it quite a few, you know, quite a bit. Where if a reporter asks what he thinks is a dumb question or you know whatever can be perceived as a dumb question, he gets a little snappy with the remarks and such. He kept a level head, didn't get too emotional, man. It's I I see this. He loves playing in Green Bay. I think he really does as much as. As many problems as he's had in the last couple of years, or in his whole career, whatever you, wherever you think the problem started, Aaron Rodgers has always loved being a Green Bay Packer. Ever since he was drafted there, um, learned behind Brett Favre for three years, and then that's been his franchise ever since for the last 14 years. He's been the starting quarterback, and there's never been a doubt, even through injuries. Yeah, like, doesn't matter. Who else is healthy and on the roster or not healthy or what? doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers when he is 100%. Or even when he's 80% because he's played through some injuries in his time as well. Um, but my, you know, I didn't have any issues with what he said. Basically, he said he wants to be involved in the decision-making process. That's kind of what I got from it, which is 100%. I don't think that's anything too much for him to ask for. 
you know, he, he talked about like, I just feel like we, this, I'm going to try to quote him. It's not exact, but it's somewhat, he's like, I just feel like we let go of a couple guys that had, were good on the field and exceptional locker room guys that had a couple years left in them, you know, whether they were low balled or just not offered contracts at all. Guys like Charles Woodson, he named quite a few Charles Woodson, James Jones, um, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, TJ Lang, Brian Balaga. Like, he listed, like, 12 to 15 names. People are like, oh, this man's pulling receipts out. Here we go. Like, and I agree. He did a little bit. He did pull the receipts out. But that's what you have to, I mean, there are people are going to ask questions. you got to have answers, you know. If you're going to say, well, I feel like I just didn't agree with any roster moves they had. And then a reporter's like, well, what roster moves did you not like? And then you sit there and go, uh, I don't even know. Now you look like a dumbass. He, Aaron Rodgers is a smart guy. If anybody's seen that man on Jeopardy, we all know he's a very, very talented and a very, very, very educated individual. He knows what he's doing. Um, so, and I've seen a lot of people like, why do you back this guy? He's he's a diva. Everyone calls him a diva. Nobody understands why I continue to like him and, and support him through all the issues he's had with their front office. They're like, why is he requesting a trade? He's not going to find anything else better elsewhere. He's got a top three receiver, a top 10 running back, a top three O line and a top 10 defense and an, an emerging tight end that could be top 10 here in the next year or two. You're not going to find that anywhere else. He's a dumbass if he wants to trade. Da, 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 da. The trade has nothing to do with the roster. There's not a better spot in the NFL right now that he could be at except maybe Indianapolis. And they don't have the weapons that, that Green Bay does. But they definitely have the defense, the offense, and the running, the offensive line in the running game. So Green Bay is the best spot for Aaron Rodgers. But even if that's the best spot, if that's the match made in heaven for me from a roster standpoint and from being on the field, if I'm not going to be taken seriously from a front office standpoint, I don't want to be there. This is It's a toxic relationship for me. And and for, if I'm the Packers, if I'm the Packers front office, I'm going to pay this guy $250, $300 million. Like, I made this guy the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history at one point. This guy showed up in an all-denim jumpsuit to contract negotiations. And we made him the highest-paid quarterback of all time at the time that the contract was signed. And we're not going to let him decide whether we're going to extend Randall Cobb for an extra year or whether we're going to keep Jordy Nelson and restructure his contract instead of cutting him. If, if I'm going to pay a guy $200, $300 million and then refuse to listen to him, why am I investing my money in this guy? If, if I can't trust Aaron Rodgers to at least give me a decent opinion, and like he said, and the people are like, oh, you can't let a player run the franchise. It's the front office's job to field the roster. Aaron Rodgers shouldn't have a decision in what goes on on, on the field. Listen, man, like I just said, I'm going to spend $300 million on this guy, and he has an idea of who he wants playing next to him. I'm going to try to do that. You know what I'm saying? And if he wants a high-level guy and he asks for him and I say, I can go get him, but you're going to have to take a pay cut, then we can get Aaron Rodgers to take a pay cut. You know what I'm saying? You know, DeAndre Hopkins decides he wants a trade from Houston. Devontae Adams tweets at him, and Aaron Rodgers says, hey, I'd really love to play with Hop. I really want him in a Green Bay Packers jersey. And your front office go, well, there's no way in hell we're doing that. We don't have the money for it. And then Aaron, even sometimes you can get Aaron to suggest a pay cut for himself at that point. And that could be with a defender, wide receiver, anybody. It's, a wide receiver is just the easiest one. So he's not saying that he's the end-all, be-all. You don't have to bring back every guy. But he says, I have. I feel like I have a good on-the-field insight. I'm the one that goes out there and plays with these guys each, each week. He's like, Green Bay's not a great, you know, um, 
vacation destination. You know, people don't come to live in Green Bay. Like that's not why you play for the Packers is to live in Green Bay. You you play with the Packers to play with their quarterback. You 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 go to Green Bay to play with number twelve. And people are like, ah, oh, that's he's such a narcissist. It's the truth. Who are you kidding me? Come on. Come on. Last thirty years. You're you're a receiver in free agency in the last thirty years, twenty five, whatever you want to say. Green Bay is always a top spot because of who they had. They had number four. They had Brett Favre back there, and now they got number twelve. They got Aaron Rodgers. That is, I don't go to. I want to go to Green Bay because I enjoy the weather. Who the fuck has ever said that? No one. We come here to play with the quarterback. So you can be mad that he said it. It's the truth. It's like, oh, did you come to? Yeah, I really decided to sign with the Chiefs in the offseason because of the barbecue. Hey, great. Hey, that's a great plus. Don't get me wrong. I love Casey Barbecue, but we all know we're coming to play with number 15 here. You know what I'm saying? Like, the barbecue's a nice incentive, but come on. Look at the guy on the field. Come on, man. It's it's that simple. So I, I back Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he said anything ridiculous. I don't think he got emotional. He just wants to be involved in the decision-making process, which, like I said, if you're going to pay a guy $200, $300 million, I think he should. And how hard is it just to be like, Aaron's like, I want to keep Jordy Nelson. You're like, all right, he's got to take a pay cut. Jordy would have gladly taken a pay cut to stay. Well, then, say in the same offseason, he's like, I don't want to get rid of Randall Cobb or James Jones. You're like, well, you're going to have to get rid of at least one, if not two of them. Like, you got to pick one at this point. Like, because I, you know, we're all for keeping you happy and, you know, keeping your guys around, but like, we've got to have some roster turnover and get some young guys in here because as good as those guys are and as good as they are when he throw, when Aaron Rodgers is throwing them the ball. Those guys are all thirty to thirty-five. Like we've got to get some, we got to get some young guys and get these guys some touches so they're ready when Jordy retires and when Randall Cobb retires and all that. So, as far as the Randall Cobb trade, I think he's going to take a pay cut once he lands in Green Bay, which I think he'll be glad to do to play with Aaron Rodgers again. They gave up a sixth rounder. Could they have got Randall Cobb if he would have not made roster cuts? I don't know. If he was going to make the roster or not, he probably would have. The Houston Texans are a dumpster fire. It's not like they have anybody else better at wide receiver at this point. So, I mean, you give up a six-rounder, it is what it is. Who cares? We keep Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice a sixth-round pick to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. So, with that being said, into the tight ends for our list today. Going 10 to 1, just like we did last time. I think I'm going to try to do a little bit better of a job of recapping each pick as we go along. I feel like I kind of listed the top 10 linemen and was like, there's the top 10. And, you know, by the time we got to 1, we forgot who 10 was. So I'm going to try to do a better job of recapping through as we go through. So, number 10, my tight ends going into 2021. I have, I was going to say Mr. Consistent, but he does miss a lot of games due to injuries. So, the party animal. I think that's definitely a better nickname for this guy anyways. Rob Gronkowski comes in at 10 for me. Um, Just stable as stable can be when you play 14 games a year. Tom Brady, one of Tom's favorite targets. Probably his favorite career target by far. Um, Plays in a stacked offense, so he won't get as many touches, and he is aging. But... The tight end position really is not as strong as a lot of people think right now. There's like four or five good tight ends. There's like another four that are like, eh, they, yes, they have, they're pretty good with quite a bit of upside. And then like from 9, 10, and down to like 15, it's like, who the fuck? I don't even fucking know. So Gronk makes the list. Honorable mentions before 10. Um, if I were to list some. Hunter Henry in New England, Johnny Smith are both in New England. I could, I one of them would have made it had um, had they not both been signed by New England. They're both great tight ends. I think they both have top ten talent, but I think with sharing production, they're they're not going to either have 
either of them are going to have a breakaway year. Um, Noah Fant in Denver, I think he has a lot of tools. He's a quick receiving tight end. I think he will do well. I haven't seen the potential breakout from him. And also QB play from Drew Locke is still a question mark that holds him off the list. Robert Tanyan had a great three-week stretch but was really almost completely silent outside of that in this last NFL season. He's on his way up. And Evan Ingram, I want to talk about Evan Ingram real quick. He's not on the list. He's an honorable. He's not really even an honorable mention. I just want to talk about him. Evan Ingram is probably the one of the most talented tight ends of the league. If everyone was playing to full potential, like if everyone's playing to full potential, I think he's probably a top five tight end in the league. Evan Ingram has all the tools when it comes to receiving. He's quick. He has a long wingspan. A good should have good contested catching. His hands are horrible, and he is just bad. He he hurts the Giants more than he helps them at this point. He's not a good run blocker. And and the thing about his drops, like having a drops problem is an issue that you can fix. The the problem with his drops, he doesn't drop things. He pops them up. He has a pop problem. He he ball hits him in the hand, goes ten yards up in the air, gets picked off. Half of Daniel Jones interceptions, I swear, come from Evan Ingram popping the ball up in the middle of the field on a crossing route. That's that's where Evan Ingram's issue is. He should hundred percent be on this list, but he's not. Um, whenever Evan Ingram figures it out, if he ever figures it out, be careful. He's definitely going to be on this list, and he'll probably be top five if he ever gets it figured out. So Gronk at 10. Nine, this is going to be kind of my breakout candidate uh, this year outside of the the rookie on the list. Obviously, a rookie is going to be a breakout. Uh, Number nine on my list, I have Adam Troutman of the New Orleans Saints. Now, QB play is a question mark, but I think right now you have either you have Taysom Hill or or Jameis Winston. I think with Taysom in, we're not going to be throwing the ball around a lot, like down the field. We're going to be doing a lot of short stuff probably. Uh, I like Adam Troutman in that spot. QBs like to rely on tight ends when they're going to check downs and a lot of short throws. You'll see the tight ends get a lot more targets in that in that respect. And even with Jameis, like Jameis has the cannon to let it loose down the field if he wants to, but he he throws to his tight he throws to his tight end quite a bit as well. Um, like I said, the reason Trotman's really on here is there's just no breakout candidate to try to – there was nobody else that – I was like, I'm going to have to put somebody I don't think is top 10 on this list. I think Trotman has the capability. If they figure out the QB spot early and he's able to build chemistry with whoever his quarterback is, kids got the talent. Um, and they only really other have Michael Thomas and obviously Alvin Kamara to throw to. So he's got a wide open spot at the tight end spot. Now that Jared Cook's gone, I mean, Jared Cook had a great year last year. Now, granted, he's – Benjamin Button when it comes to playing well at an old age at the tight end spot. But Jared Cook's gone. Adam Troutman's got, you know, in the shoes. So we'll see if the Saints rely on him enough to get him to that number nine spot on my list. So number eight, Dallas Goddard. You could put Zach Ertz here. Whoever you think Philly's number one tight end is probably the eighth, seven or eight best tight end of the league. Zach Ertz is another guy that could be on this list at 10. Just it's hard to put two guys but two receivers, whether it's two wide receivers or two tight ends or two running backs, like two of any of the same, you know, teammates. Because obviously if one has a monster week or a monster season, the other one's production is going to struggle just because you can't, you can't both have monster seasons at the same position doing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to catching the ball. So um, I've got it here. I think he's going to be in a lot more sets for Philly. 
he's a better run blocker than Zach Ertz is, so he'll be on the field more. I think that's what's going to lead him to having a better year. Zach Ertz is a better receiving tight end, but like I said, if you're out there more, it gives you more chances to catch the ball. And with Jalen Hurts there, I think he's going to rely on his tight end a lot. Lamar Jackson leaned on Mark Andrews when they both first entered the league. And you'll see a lot of top, tight ten, in, top 10 tight ends are here because their quarterback is a younger guy that's going to lean on them going into the season. So with Gronk at 10, Adam Trotman at 9, Dallas Goddard at 8. At number 7, I have TJ Hawkinson, uh, the Detroit Lions. Um, Hawkinson's always been really good. He's always been another what-if guy. Especially when it comes to fantasy. Like, when it comes to fantasy football, like, TJ Hawkinson's like that borderline number five, but also could be 20 tight end during a week. He has really big boomer busts. He either shows up or he doesn't. There's no in-between. He he's has the talent. Um, I think with Jared Goff coming in, uh, they don't really have a ton of other weapons to throw to. Hawkinson's going to be the main guy getting the targets in Detroit. And also, he's a solid run blocker, which means he's going to be on the field a lot. I don't think they're going to throw the ball that much in Detroit to start with. So, uh, we're moving quick today. Definitely moving a lot quicker than the O-line. Um, but I think I'm definitely going to slow down here on the top five once we get to these guys. Um, even at six. Um, number six, I have Mike Gusecki, the Miami Dolphins. Again, another young quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa. I think he's going to lean on Gusecki a lot. He had a breakout year last year. Gusecki had the best year of his career by far, and I think statistically it was like a top five tight end last year. Gusecki had a great, great year. Great contested catching last year. His route running was, was solid. He's not an elite route runner, but definitely not bad at all. His run blocking was okay. Nothing to write home about, but definitely not the worst run blocker on this list. Um, he's a big physical guy. He uses his body to his advantage. And like I said, I think Tua leaning on him, you know, being a young, having a young quarterback, having that, that reliable five-yard out route or that five-yard in route is there every play. And Mike Gusecki is going to be the guy that's going to catch that ball just about every single time over the middle of the field. So, Moved quick through those. Those are those very quick five. Uh, Rob Gronkowski at 10. Adam Troutman at 9. Dallas Goddard at 8. TJ Hawkinson at 7. And then at 6, we had Mike Gesicki. Now top five. This is where we're going to slow it down. We're going to talk about each guy a little bit more. Because this is where the money is made at the tight end position. When I said that you know you have you have five guys that are really really good, you have three or four guys that are like ah, good with some upside, and then a bunch of nobodies. These are the five guys that change the game. Like these are the five guys that I think are going to do it at a very very high level. And I, I really think there's two tiers inside this top five. There's there's the top two. I, I actually I think there's three. I think this is the top two. There's the third guy, and then there's the fourth and the fifth guy. So at five, uh, I probably have. One of my only rookies, definitely one of my. There won't be many rookies. He may be my only rookie that makes the offensive lists. Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, definitely, you know, I, I when I made this list, I didn't have Kyle Pitts on here. I was like, I'm not going to put a guy that didn't play it down on my list. But this is the top tight ends for 2021. Who's going to be there at the end of the year? And, boy, the talent is there. This kid is the longest wingspan ever recorded by a tight end or receiver at the Combine. He ran up, I think it was a 4-4-40. His route running is insane. This this guy is an animal. Like, the think Darren Waller with a higher ceiling, which is fucking terrifying to think of. I, But, I mean, nonetheless, I just... 
he's they've they've got the the system. They they throw the ball down there a lot in Atlanta. Julio Jones is gone. Calvin Ridley's gonna have to step up, and that means somebody's gonna have to fill Calvin Ridley's role if he's gonna take Julio's. I think Kyle Pitts is the guy. I, I think Arthur Smith is he did a good job in Tennessee with their offense and getting a little weird with certain things. I think throwing Kyle Pitts into the slot a lot, keeping him down with his hand in the dirt at tight end, standing up on the line of scrimmage. Whatever they want to do with Kyle Pitts, man, you've got to get creative. This kid is an athlete. I need him on the field almost every time I'm out there. If I'm running a three-receiver set, and even if I'm running three receivers at tight end and a running back, I'm putting Hayden Hurst or whoever the hell I want to at tight end, and I'm putting Kyle Pitts at slot receiver. I don't even care. This is I'll put him on the outside if I have to, man. This guy has got the talent to play at any spot that catches the ball. It's... He is he is a freak of nature, and I think with Julio's departure, it's just it's we're gonna see a reverse in stats. When Calvin really really started to pop off in Atlanta about two or three years ago, and was really starting to have a lot of good years and was catching a lot of touchdowns, Julio's numbers were down. Defenses were just keen on Julio taking this guy out to set. That's what allowed Calvin really to explode. So if Calvin's gonna step over into that spot now, and he's gonna start getting single, double covered, triple covered. Or, you know, single with the safety help over the top and he can't go catch touchdowns. We've got a gap in the production now that we need to fill. And they went and got the best pass catcher in the draft. I think Kyle Bitts is going to be a massive game changer for the Falcons. But he just doesn't, he didn't do enough to crack the top, to crack the top four. I got a little ahead of myself there. At four, uh, my guy, my personal favorite. A guy I put at three originally, but I realized I was being a biased Ravens fan. I had to move him back to four. Put Mark Andrews at four on my tight end list. Um, if Kyle Pitts surpasses Mark Andrews for the four spot by the end of the year, I would not be surprised at all, to be honest with you. But I don't think – Mark Andrews has to be top five on your list. If you want to put Pitts at four and Andrews at five, I'll be upset, but I'll live. If you think that there are five tight ends better than Mark Andrews in the NFL, you are – I don't know what tape you're watching. I was going to say that you're high, but I really just don't know what tape you're watching at this point. Mark Andrews is a an amazing talent. Lamar Jackson relies on him a lot. They had a great rookie year together, and he just does everything that you want at the tight end position. He is a – he is a I, – I see him uh, – it's very hard to try to put something on Mark Andrews. I see him as a little bit of a better run blocker than Travis Kelsey – but he's definitely nowhere near the route runner, and I his hands probably aren't quite as good either. But still, you know, you take those pluses and minuses away. It's still a very, very good tight end. Still a top five tight end. Um, his production hasn't been there yet. Has yet to eclipse that a thousand yard receiving mark, a thousand yards in a single season for receiving. He missed a couple games last year. The thing about Mark Andrews is he really has to perfect his run blocking to get more looks in the offense, which sounds weird. But Baltimore is the most run-heavy offense in the league. The the numbers say that. The film says that. The stats, everything. Baltimore had the highest, the highest rushing yards by a team in NFL history, in the la- in in a season and in the in two seasons combined in these last two years. No one has had a better rushing offense as a team than the Baltimore Ravens, and it hasn't been close. You could take Derrick Henry's two thousand yards by himself and shove it because Baltimore went and got like thirty two hundred as a team. They're Baltimore runs the ball. Now they have Nick Boyle in their tight end room. He's one of the best, probably a top five blocking tight end in the league. 
maybe even top three. Nick Boyle is a, a ridiculously good run blocker when it comes to the tight end position. So that's the issue is he's on the field a lot. You know, you're in those run sets and you go, no huddle. Nick Boyle is out there. He's a he's an okay receiver. He's not great, but he's not bad. So Nick Boyle is just going to get more touches. I was looking, and Mark Mark Andrews played, I think, 14 games this last year. which So he missed three, or he missed two. Missed two games, played in 14. He only started three of them. The other, the other 11 games that he played in, Nick Boyle was the starting tight end. So it's going to be very hard for him to eclipse Nick Boyle as as a run blocker, but he needs to try to close the gap a little bit and then separate himself as a pass catcher. I think he'll get more looks in the offense. Um, it's just hard for for a guy of his talent. You know, like we just we don't throw the ball that much in Baltimore. Now that may change with the new guys that they've drafted. But Mark Andrews is going to be high on this list regardless because he is one of the top red zone targets in the league. And when you look at the quarterback and who they want to throw to on their team, uh, Lamar Jackson wants to throw to nobody else in the red zone but Mark Andrews. And I don't think there's any quarterback that enjoys their tight end in the red zone more than Lamar does with Mark Andrews in in the red zone. So uh, I love Mark Andrews. And as much as I wanted to put him at three, this guy right ahead of him is just too good. At three, I have Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um... Now, when I was coming in and doing this list, I knew who my top four guys were. Obviously, we all know who the top two are. We'll get to them. And I knew Waller and Andrews were three and four, and Pitts was at five for me. Pitts was a lock at five, and then I was just trying to figure out where to put Andrews and Waller and then how to order the top two guys. Waller has separated himself pretty well from three and four. There's really not a debate to be had about Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. I thought there was. There's not. Trust me. I looked at the numbers. It hurts my feelings. Mark Andrews isn't on Darren Waller's level, to be real with you. He's nowhere near. He's probably, I'd say, one of the worst, if not the worst, run blocker on this list. Darren Waller is. Um, but when you can catch the ball as well as Darren Waller is, who the hell cares? Um, he had uh, almost 1,200 receiving yards last year with nine touchdowns. He was first in targets and receptions for tight ends in 2020. Um, man gets the ball in his hands, and he runs like a receiver. Mara, I talked about how... How Kyle Pitts is like Darren Waller with higher upside. Darren Waller is extremely fucking good. I think that should show you how good Kyle Pitts is supposed to be as well. Um, Darren Waller is an elite route runner. Um, I would go out on a limb and say he's the best, if not the second best route runner at the tight end spot. Uh, behind or before Travis Kelsey, whatever you think. Um, he is some of the better hands at the tight end spot. Definitely not the best, but probably I'd say top six, top five. And he, he just his, it's his physical attributes that get you. The route running is good. When you're when you're a good route runner, you can create separation off a guy that's more athletic than you. That's what's dangerous about Darren Waller. He's a good route runner and he's athletic. This guy can break you off. He's got four four speed, four five speed. He's got the footwork to make you miss already, and then he's got the speed to create the separation. He's got the hands to haul in the catch, and he's got that breakaway speed to score the touchdown. This guy does it all, man. Except for run blocking, obviously. We talked about that. Um, when it comes to the top five tight ends, there's tier one. That's the top two guys. There's tier two, which is Darren Waller by himself. Tier three is Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. Tier four is probably Gisecki, Hawkinson, Goddard. And then tier five is Troutman, Gronk, Fant, Henry, and Johnny Smith is probably where I'd sprinkle in those guys. If I had to put a full tier list on it, um, so into the top two, I just kind of listed them, but we'll go ahead and list them again just for fun sakes. 
Um, at 10, we got Rob Gronkowski. 9, Adam Troutman. 8, Dallas Goddard. 7, TJ Hawkinson. 6, Mike Gusecki. 5, Kyle Pitts. 4 is Mark Andrews. 3 is Darren Waller. And here we are. Obviously, this is why you're all here. Um, I'm debating about just telling people when I start talking about the top two because this is probably the only reason you're listening to this. Who is the best tight end in the league, Owen? Who is it going to be? Are you a George Kittle guy or are you a Travis Kelsey guy? Um, I've got friends that are Kansas City Chiefs fans that have been telling me why Travis Kelsey is the best for a very long time. I've got friends that are San Francisco 49ers fans that have been telling me why Kittle is the best. Um... The bottom line is that these are the two best. Let's let's clear something up first before I get in and tell you who I think is going to be better going into this year. These are the two best tight ends in the NFL. There's no debate to be had about that. If you have anybody else at one or two, whether you have Kelsey at one or whether you have Kittle at one, if somebody else comes before the other at two, like if you put Kelsey one, Darren Waller two, George Kittle at three, you're wrong. You're a dumbass. Stop it. Get some help. This is this is one A and one B. Like these are these guys are neck and neck. This is a razor thin margin between these two guys, but they are by far and away the two best tight ends in the league. I think you could go. It, it really depends on what type of offense you want to run. Who you think's better? I honestly do lean a little bit towards more George Kittle. Baltimore runs the ball often. If I had to pick a guy to throw into Baltimore set, I want George Kittle. He's a better he's a better run blocker than Travis Kelsey is. But if I'm in a pass-heavy offense like Kansas City is, I want the guy that's a better receiver, and that's Travis Kelsey. Kelsey's a better receiver. Kittle's a better blocker. But each of them are good at the other ones as well. Kelsey is still a decent run blocker. He's not great. He's okay. And Kittle is still a very, very good good receiver. Where Kittle does his damage is after the catch, by far. I mean, all you have to do is watch the clip in the fourth quarter against the Saints in 2019. You'll see why George Kittle is one of the best after the catch tight ends in the league. He drags bodies behind him. So, the age-old question, finally answering it. Number two on my tight end list this year, and like I said, this is a razor-thin razor thin margin. This was not a runaway race. It was these two guys, but it took me a while to pick who I was going to put at the two spot and who I was going to put at the one spot. At the number two spot, I'm going to have George Kittle from the San Francisco 49ers. Like I said, if I'm John Harbaugh, if I'm the Ravens, and I can add a tight end, any tight end in the NFL to my set, I want George Kittle. He is the best run-blocking tight end in the league right now. He is a top-five receiving tight end. This guy does it all. He is a Swiss Army knife when it comes to the tight end position, and his talent cannot be understated. Now, that being said, I have Travis Kelsey at one. Kelsey is a better receiver. Not as good of a run blocker. Nowhere near as good of a run blocker, but he is a great receiver, and it edges him out edges Kittle out in the hands department and he does edge him out in the route running department I think as well um really what makes this decision for me this year is I think the Niners are going to run the ball a lot more um than the Chiefs will obviously and they're going to run the ball just as much as they have the last two years which that plays to Kittle's strengths like I said he's a good run blocker but it takes your your production as a receiver down when your team runs the ball more Also, I have to look at quarterback play. If I'm looking at who the best tight end going into this season is, which is what these lists kind of are, that's why Adam Troutman is nine. That's why you didn't see Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith on this list because it's supposed to be who's going to be the top ten this year. And when I'm looking at this year, quarterback play does come into effect. And we all know who the best quarterback in the league is, regardless of who San Fran fields, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, neither of them are Patrick Mahomes. 
So that's why I have Kelsey edging out Kittle at one. Like I said, it's fielder's choice. These guys are by far and away one and two. Like I said, if you have any anybody else at one and two on your tight end list outside of these two guys, you need to go seek medical attention immediately because you're there's something wrong upstairs. I don't know what else to tell you. But with Kittle, um, also coming off an injury a little bit, obviously hampered. He's a he's an Iron Man. Uh, you can't overstate the toughness of George Kittle either. I think he's going to bounce back well, but you still have to be a little bit wary with the injury. You know, I mean, things do happen out of your control sometimes. You get hurt when you don't want to get hurt. You do everything right in the offseason to make sure that your body and your mind is ready for the season, and sometimes you go down in game two. I don't wish that upon anybody. Knock on wood, I don't want that to happen. But it's definitely, you're more likely probably to get hurt coming off an injury than you are when you haven't gotten injured yet. You know, so I think for Travis Kelsey, a lot of the things stay the same. I've got the best quarterback in the game. I've got a top five receiver next to me who's going to draw some attention. And I've got three guys behind that top 10, that top five receiver that all run four, three, four, two forties that are going to take the top off a of defense if you don't want to commit safety up. So the second those safeties go deep and cover McCole Hardman and Tyree Kill, I know I've got a one-on-one matchup against any linebacker in the league, and Travis Kelsey's going to body all of them, maybe except for two. Fred Warner and I think Bobby Wagner could probably hold their own pretty well, but even then, Kelsey's probably going to get the advantage over those two guys eight to nine times out of ten. He is he is route runner supreme. He has some of the best hands. The hands category is also a lot closer than I thought it was. Darren Waller has a lot better hands than I ever gave him credit for. And uh, Kittle and Kelsey both have amazing hands as well. But the gap there isn't as much as I thought it was going to be. But Kelsey's going to do what Kelsey does, man. He's going to run that that Andy Reid playbook as well as he does. He's going to wait for the safeties to drop back and play help on those speedy receivers. And he's going to go to work in the middle of the field and do anything that Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes wants him to. And he's going to tear defenses apart. And, and Kittle will do the same thing. Now, I could see Kittle slipping the one. If we see Trey Lance come on earlier, I think they're going to stick with Jimmy for four or five weeks, honestly, um, unless Jimmy were to get hurt or something drastic were to happen. Now, Trey Lance comes in early. I could see Kittle slip. Like I said, I could see Kittle slipping this one spot by far. You put Trey Lance in, he leans on his tight end a little bit more with the run after the catch. All, all George Kittle needs is a catch. He'll do the work from there. He doesn't have to break you off with his route running. He'll get a decent catch, stiff arm you, go truck stick your safety, and drag both corners down to the to the 20-yard line for a game-winning field goal. George Kittle will get the job done regardless. So those that's my top tight end tight end. My top 10 tight ends. Man, I can't talk today. Um, that's going to round out our list um, from 10 to 1. We'll go through one more time just so everybody has it in a nice recap and we all know where we're at. Uh, at 10, I have Rob Gronkowski, Adam Troutman at 9, Dallas Goddard at 8. Number 7 is TJ Hawkinson, Mike Gusecki at 6. Kyle Pitts, as as a rookie, is going to crack my top 5. Mark Andrews at 4. The ever-so-dangerous Darren Waller at 3. The Swiss Army Knife George Kittle at 2. And I've got Travis Kelsey reclaiming the crown, keeping the throne. He is the number one tight end in football going into this year. That's going to do it for our bonus today on tight ends. Um, Keep it tuned, man. Stay locked. We got a lot coming. 
got a couple more interviews coming out. We don't want to announce who, who we got landing for music interviews, but we got uh, No Friends interview that's coming out soon. And a couple other big artists uh, as well that have agreed to do interviews with us. We just we got to get to the right spot, get them done, and then we'll tell you who they are. Um, as far as as I go, uh, we got receivers coming up, which I think is probably going to be the best one when it comes to our top ten lists, because um, the receiver one just fluctuates so much. You have a lot of guys that think Julio's still up there. You have a lot of guys that think Devonte Adams runs it, just based off last year alone. A lot of people, some people think Tyree Kills, not top five. Some people think he's number one. Wide receivers are going to get spicy. That's the next one up on our top tens. Then we'll move to running backs and quarterbacks. And then after next week, we'll probably move into the defense, which will have its own schedule. I haven't even started looking at the defense. I'm just trying to keep up with the offense. Make sure we keep giving you guys something to listen to every day or every other day, hopefully. And, I mean, that's just the goal going forward, man. Bonus season's going crazy. Keep an eye on my Twitter. I know we had a schedule made um, of stuff that's upcoming, so that should be on my Twitter here, hopefully before this comes out. Um, So, yeah, if you made it this far, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, I know I say it every week. I say it multiple times each week, each show, each bonus, whatever it is. We don't get here without everybody that listens to the show. Without without the fans, without the people that listen to it, whether you listen to 30 minutes, half an hour, full hour, two hours, doesn't matter, 10 seconds, whatever you listen to, I appreciate you guys so, so much. Even if you, you clicked on the podcast and you're like, I don't even know what this is, I was looking for something else, and you listen to an episode, thank you the most, you know? Um, I appreciate you guys so, so much. You guys are making a lot of my dreams come true, and, and whether... Whether we get there through BDL or whether I've got to go a different road, I know I'm going to get there. And it's the, it's the people that listen to this show and give me feedback and tell me things I need to do better or that I do good or whatever it is. You guys are the people that push me to do better. Um, and I appreciate you guys more than I could ever you know, try to put into words. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure you keep it tuned for more uh, celebrity interviews and more top 10 lists. They're coming the rest of the week. We'll see you guys next time.